and welcome to the Across the Pod NFL podcast. It's time for another NFL game review as we now are approaching game week six territory. I am your host Andy Davis and I'm this week joined by guests that I was meant to be going to yesterday's game with in London but sadly, not, not, not really sadly, it's a good thing obviously because of the press pass opportunity I got, I could no longer sit in that seat. So yeah, Mr. Chance is meeting for the first time in person, but he's a regular guest on this podcast. With me today is Tom Morton. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm, thanks for having me. I'll try not to be too salty that you ditched me for Danny Rick, but um, <laughs> that's just, that's fine. Well, it turns out I didn't only ditch you. I ditched a lot of people's wives and girlfriends. Um, obviously, we talked off camera about the fact that you know I got I was I had Danny Ricardo behind me the whole the whole game. Even got a picture of him, as some of you may have seen on my Instagram. But you, Tom, had wives and girlfriends galore sitting by your family and all sorts. So tell the audience just who was by you in your seat. Yeah, no. So we were sat two two rows behind none other than Mrs. Mrs. Marissa Lawrence. And here we are, a visual aid. I don't know if you can see me top corner on her Instagram <laughs> yeah. story. So I'm, I'm now famous across the world. Um, who else did we have? We had Kristen Kirk's family, mum, dad, missus, all of that. My mate actually took photos of for them and stuff like that. Um, who else did we have? We had Jamal Agnew's missus, um, Robertson Harris's missus, and we also had we were and took sat behind and talking to Jamal Agnew's brother as well. We only just figured out it was Jamal Agnew's brother after my mate had been slagging him off for fumbling the ball against KC last year. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, he's, he turned around and said, Shit, "That's." that's his brother. And I was like, oh, did he hear you slagging him off? I was like, no, no, shh, shh. <laughs> like... <laughs> Wow, yeah, I mean, huge thank you to Luke Campbell, a you know, friend of the podcast who originally supplied us with a ticket. So, um, yeah, huge thank you to Luke to hooking us up with those tickets. I mean, yeah, the mm. seat was incredible. I don't believe we were too far from each other. I think you were to the right of the 15, I was to the left. So I think we were pretty close without even realising. Yeah, no, no. I was, it was literally in line with the thirty-yard line, sort of towards the the big stand at Tottenham. So it was really, really good seat. So you could see everything. It's as close as I'd ever been. So it's the best, best experience I think I've had at a London game. Definitely, maybe apart from the Giants winning last year. But oh, of course, of course. So yeah, Alan Rodgers being there, you know, for Packers. I mean, that sounds like um, a lot. Actually, um, we're obviously going to go about the atmosphere in. This game, but there were a lot, a lot of Bills fans in this game yesterday between the Bills and the Jags, and it just strikes me a lot of like last year. From what I saw when I was back when I was in America, clips I saw of the Giants-Packers games that you just referred to, where it seemed so Packer heavy again because Packers had never been in London before, and the Bills was only their second time, I believe, in London. So yeah, it, it just, just this, this game for me was, um, you know, it was so Bills heavy. I mean, I saw. I think every one and every two people I saw were wearing Bills jerseys. It was just Bills, 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 which is a good thing in a way. Um, it meant it was a real home advantage. But um, yeah, I thought it was really, really Bills heavier than what you thought. Yeah, no, we were thinking that when we were walking sort of around the ground before the game. My mate was a bit like, because he's obviously used to the Jags being the home team mm-hmm. every time. He's a big Jags fan. He was like, is this a Bills home game? I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, that makes sense because they're everywhere. And I mean, like the last time they were here, like I've been going since 2015 I think that they were here the year before or either that year or the year before so they haven't been here for a long time so I was expecting quite a lot but I didn't, wasn't expecting the racket that we had behind us I mean the women behind us she had some lung, lungs on her 
like honestly, it's like scree- every third down, screaming, screaming, bashing your seat and stuff like that. You're like, okay, not sure. <laughs> but it con- contributes to a good atmosphere and you can understand why no one wants to go and play in Buffalo against those fans. Like, yeah. Mm. yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to be experiencing that that Bill's home atmosphere in, in Orchard Park in literally about 15 days' time. It's Thursday night getting oh. Bucks. Um, going, obviously going with the friend of the show, David Kaprosh, who I actually met once again, like I did in Detroit last year, met him in London this weekend, uh, day, day before the game at the NFL Experience. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But I've been told, um, I think because of the the, the noise um, that they've allowed the sort of the noise impact that they got in the stadium in Tottenham Stadium, that apparently those Bills fans from America telling people that actually it was louder in London than it's ever been in, in Buffalo, which which really surprised me. I mean. It does surprise me to an extent, but I mean, I've done the um, Tottenham Skywalk before, and they, they like where we walk up where the cockerel and stuff like that, and they talk about how it's been like specially engineered to keep the noise in and push the noise in, like concerts and football and stuff like that. So it's not. It's good to see that it's actually working because I came away like ears ringing, like couldn't hear properly for like a good few hours afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of. You know, I've been around the stadium today doing some media work and even yesterday at the game. I think the general consensus was that um, that's the best ever London game for atmosphere. I mean, when I was at the, the post-match press conference, Travis Etienne was telling us that he couldn't even hear Trevor Lawrence on some of the plays. Um, and that's how loud it was. And Trevor Lawrence alluded to the same thing. Um, but that, for me, is the best atmosphere I've ever experienced at a London game by a mile, I think. I thought the Dolphins Jags was up there for me. I thought that was always the best. Um, but you know, I've been this is my I wanna say now I don't even know what it's at least at least double digit game now in London. Um, you know, it's um I've never experienced anything like that. And it was really loud. It felt like a home game as well. I thought it was the Bills fans really travelled well. And I, you know, I've been to a lot of games in America. I think for me, literally, I'd say probably only Arrowhead maybe AT&T can, can beat that, I think. And maybe Lambeau Field as well, literally, I'd say I'd say it was way, way louder than Jackson was, even though that was pretty good. I do say most things I've been to in America, I've never experienced an atmosphere like it for most of them. It was that good on that day. Um, I, I, it, I thought it was extra special and it made, I think it made for a good game. I think we were robbed at the end of, a, you know, the Jacks did win by 25 points to 20. Uh, I think we were robbed of a great ending with a Stefan Diggs. The, the play calling seemed crazy then to um, go for a short pass in a lateral, you know, with no timeouts left. I believe it was like something like 25 seconds left of the game. It just seemed crazy to me that they did that, really. Um, but the Bills, for a lot of the game, looked off the pace. They looked, the Jags looked much sharper. The Bills. Didn't get going really until second quarter, and I think third quarter was pretty much a non-event. No, no one scored any points in it. But yeah, I thought the Bills looked looked um looked off their off their game and team that score. You know, three weeks in a row, they've won games by twenty eight points or more in the last three games. And they've obviously beat us by by forty eight points or twenty, which was not was what I was expecting. Um, but what was your take on the Bills' performance, Tom? I was a bit disappointed by the Bills, to be honest, in the first three quarters. Definitely, they def- they picked it up in the fourth quarter and gave us what we we know they can do. Like high score, like I think they scored their touchdown in the fourth quarter. I think was it Davis? It wasn't Dave. Uh, Dave Davis. Yeah, it, it was Dave. 
I swear it was like 45 seconds and three plays and 75 yards mm. or something for the score. And yeah. it was just like that, that's what they can do. Why haven't you been doing that the whole time? Because the run game wasn't working. Allen hadn't had a chance to start running. I mean, there was definitely that there was that pick, that contested pick where Diggs and um, I can't remember who got the pick, but they went up for the it ball. Davis Williams, I want to say. Or was it? They went they went up for the ball. And I looked on the replay, it looked like Diggs just gave up on the ball. We just mm. if he'd actually fought for the ball, then it may well have been his catch. And that was like a 70 odd yard game or something like that. But um yeah, no, I think I was a bit disappointed. I mean, I, I felt a bit sorry for the Bills fans coming all this way to see them play in that way. But obviously, the Jags have been here a week or so, and the Bills haven't, haven't had to do a journey like that in quite a long time, definitely not this season. So that, I think that probably played a factor. Um, but yeah, no, overall, I was a bit disappointed. They were one of the teams I was desperate to see this year. It was the, the game I was desperate to go to. Um, it, it, made, it was a tight game. It made for a good game in the end, in the fourth quarter, because the fourth quarter was up there one of the best fourth quarters I've seen in person um, but no overall I think they left a little bit to be desired Yeah I agree and I think there's definitely been a discussion um, about sort of Bills when they got into London uh, I was speaking to a friend of the show Dan Fellow who was actually sat next to me in the press box which was quite nice um, you know, we were talking about how the fact that they, I, th- I believe, they flew on the on the Friday morning. I believe, or something, or they arrived Friday morning, and you know, they're day off. I believe on the Monday. Um, makes you wonder about you know a lot of teams do this. They come on the Thursday or Friday, and they often lose. But obviously, the Jacks have that weak advantage. You you think, especially with that in mind, having them, them having an extra week, you think they would have got there. You could even have left straight after the game. So rather than going home after the the Miami game. I think they could have easily just gone straight straight to London and done it that way. I think that would have been more than enough time to get accustomed to, to jet lag. I think that's way more than the time it takes. I want to say about normally three or four days on average for a, a Brit to go to America and, and deal with a jet lag and be fine. So I don't know whether that's something that you think more teams will do next year, Tom. Um, what was your take on the fact they, they arrived so late into London? Um, I think it will be used as an example now, like with what not to do. I mean, making sure that you arrived early and you're prepared and give the fans that travel with you the best experience they can have. I mean, that that's the main thing, really. It's not about like how you're feeling. It's how you, the experience you give those fans who pay thousands of dollars to come over here. And it's a lot harder, especially places like Buffalo, sort of blue-collar working-class cities. Um, hard-earned cash, hard-earned money to come over here and see them play. And the planning just didn't seem there, especially after such a good performance like last three weeks. They gave us something like we saw in week one, which wasn't, it's not good enough, really. Yeah, and I think that was obviously a result that I enjoyed. Um, but I think, yeah, they're definitely going to, I think, I, I think they're playing you guys, and I think you guys probably picked the worst time to play them. You know, they're going to be eager to win again next week. Um, and yeah, I, I fear for you guys. But on the flip side, of course, we've mentioned the Bills a lot. We haven't mentioned the Jags yet, who did get the win. Um, now, of course, the main you know headline maker was Travis Etienne. I mean, Lawrence was good, good as well, but Etienne led the way with 136 rushing yards, and I believe he got definitely got one, if not two, touchdowns in this game as well. Um, I thought he'd start the show, and I don't recall they did the usual play of the game vote they normally do. Um, but I, I can imagine if there was one, it would have gone to him. I mean, what a performance from him. I mean, the Jags just tormented the Bills the whole game in that in that run game. And I, and I mentioned it, I um 
apologize, I'm going back to my to my media credits here, but I remember asking Doug Pearson about this, the fact that last week, A-Chain in the Bills-Dolphins game gave the Bills for the first two quarters a lot of trouble, scored two touchdowns, you know, and they that run game kept the game level for a while until the Bills eventually ran away with it. And the same thing happened in this game in terms of they just couldn't handle the run. And it was that one type, particularly on the right-hand side, they give a lot of trouble to. And I don't really recall people like Tank Bigsby ever getting involved. It was all Etienne, and every time he just cut through them. And in the end, that, and that just really helped run the clock down as well and really helped the, the Jags, you know, basically keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. And I thought that was a really good game plan from the Bills. And, you know, fair play for sticking up the run as well. They didn't change their game. They kept running it, and they kept working. And when it's working, you know, what, why change? So, yeah, for me, the Jags, you know, they've come... They came into London off the back of two straight losses. They're now leaving London with the back of two wins. And they're playing the Colts next, who have you know, just lost Anthony... Well, say just lost yesterday. They lost Anthony Richardson. I believe that for a month, they're saying at the moment. Um, so, yeah, with that in mind, I mean, that's a huge two games to have because now, with the Texans losing yesterday as well, I mean, they lost 19 to... Um, what's the score? 19 to... I can't find the score online here. It's really bad. Uh, oh, 19. There's a couple of points. 21-19. I just found it now. So the Falcons, the 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 the, the Falcons lost in the, the sorry the Texans lost in the AFC South. We saw the the Colts lose 16-23 to the Titans in the AFC South. Sorry, the, the Titans lost 23-16 to the Colts. Um, you, you can tell it's been a long day for me here. I'm I'm, lo- I'm <laughs> losing track, but you know with the Titans losing with the Houston Texans losing and the Celts winning, but losing their callback for a month and having Gardner Minshew for a month. It's a, it's, it's a great time to have got these two wins because now they're going to be joint with the Titans 3-2. and two. And I think, so with the Colts 3-2, and two, um, I think it's massive. I think it's a really big game next week for them. I think they could go into next week's game, you know, potentially, you know, a win clear of the rest of the, of the, rest of the pack. I mean, you know, they're... Looking at now, they're obviously they're they're playing the Colts. Um, so in terms of that as well, I mean that's a chance to go potentially a win clear there, but also potentially if Titans and you know and Texans both lose, you know it's two point two wins clear already of the other team. So yeah, I think that's a big win for them, and I think that they definitely benefited from the extra week. And I think there's definitely reason why I think they would do it again next year. I can see Shad Khan. They'll definitely do it once a year, probably at Wembley. And I can see him again doing a second game. I think it works so well this year. I can see him again doing an action. I think it's um Pepe to Jag. I mean they had a tough start, you know, lost some games they probably shouldn't have lost. Um well on paper anyway. And they've gone out and got two well one really really impressive win and one other good win. So for them, it's been a great time in London, and I think they're going to go. They must have flown back to Jacksonville yesterday, just on an ultimate high. Yeah, no, and I say so. I I think this is the last season that the Jags should be assuring for that division title because um, I was l- looking a little bit disappointed with them when they lost to Houston, and I, to, I can't remember who else they lost to before at the start of the season. I know they beat the Colts, but um, oh, they lost to the Chiefs as well, which is expected, but um. They. This is the final year, I think, that they'll have the elite QB, and no one else in the division will. Because like Stroud's looked brilliant, Richardson's looked great, even though he can't seemingly stay on the field. Like a couple of times in the first five weeks, he's been injured. So um, I think they'll have a real run for their money next year. But they need to keep 
they need to take this opportunity to win the what I think is quite an easy division at the moment and get themselves a decent playoff spot. Um, they'll be on a massive high after going back, coming back from here with two two wins. Like who wouldn't? It's a, it's a long way to go to to lose, as the Bills fans found out yesterday, and as the Jags fans know. So um, they always they always seem to turn up here and give us a decent game. So I think um, on the whole of it, they'll be very happy. And if they can come out next week and win ahead, then I think it's early days, but I think it's the division should be theirs. I agree completely. And I want to actually, quiz question for you is I want to ask you a quick quiz question. So you mentioned Stroud. Of course, he's now broken a record for the most consecutive, I don't know whether, I believe it was most consecutive I think it's passing attempts without an interception in someone's career. So Stroud was first. Two was fifth. Tom Brady was third. And oh, the second one's passed you by. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. But can you guess? I'm guessing you might have seen the video. Can you guess who was fourth in this list? Yeah, it was Prescott, wasn't it? Oh, no, that <laughs> Dak was, was second. Tom Brady no, was I thought, third. Two was I, thought, I thought Warner was second. Brady was third. That was fourth. Maybe I'm thinking of different um see Stroud record. I uh, might have it wrong. Oh, I think it's just is it just says CJ Stroud passes sorry, sets record for passes without pick. But there's a reason why I, I think it might be um so Dak Prescott second. I'm gonna actually Google this. Apologies, listeners. Um passing yeah, you know, I should have really taken a screenshot yesterday when I was watching it in a pub. Um <laughs> Is without pick in NFL career. So it's not telling me who's top five. Um, if you can beg me if I can't find, um, let me just really search Twitter here. This might be um the worst part of the podcast anyone's ever heard. I mean, it's um awfully unpaired by myself. Um, let me find out. So CJ Brown. Google this, this person's name, see whether this comes up on Twitter. Here we are. So CJ Stroud has attempted 151 passes this season without throwing a single interception. Obviously, this is actually before um, this game happened, so it's obviously more than that since. But this year, record for most con- most consecutive pass attempts without interception in the beginning of the career. So Prescott. Um, obviously was was first, now second. Tom Brady was third with 162. Tua was fifth with 152. Can you name me who was fourth in this list? And I think it's a... Unless you watch the Red Zone stream, I don't think anyone can get this. I could have sworn it was Prescott. Was it, not, was it Young? No, not Young. Was it Curran? No. It, oh, actually, I think he might be a backup now, but um, yeah, I think he's still playing. I believe actually. Oh no, no, I do, I do remember. Uh, is Chad Henney? No, I believe. I believe he was involved in the teams yesterday. I believe he's on this teams. Um, the backup on this team. I've got a feeling. I swear, Panthers. He played in London with the Panthers. I swear. Yeah, you're, you're on the right lines here. Think. Oh. If only clue, think of who was playing in the game, surname wise. I went to that game as well. Um, I mean, Panthers, Bucks. Think of, and think of yesterday, who was playing 
in the game, surname-wise, in the quarterback position. Lawrence and Allen. Oh, yeah. no, his first name's gone. Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen. <laughs> we, we, I was watching. I was in the. I was in the pub yesterday with um, a couple from Fins Nation UK, but also uh, Freddie from Franchise Tag, who um, has been on the podcast a fair few times, and we just couldn't believe that Kyle Allen somehow on his list. Couldn't believe it. It was um, it was crazy, seemed crazy to me. Um, but yeah, fair play to Straldo. I think Stroud looks a real deal, I must admit. I mean, I was high on him in our mock draft. I said at the time, I, I don't even think he's probably better quarterback than Bryce Young, but Bryce Young was obviously the consensus number one pick. But so far, albeit only six, five, six games into his career, he looks really good. Yeah, I, th- I think Stroud and Richardson both look better than Young at the moment. I think it's <laughs> the Panthers are just chaotic, seem to be chaotic at the moment. They, they played okay yesterday, but I think they're still... Um, for improvement there. but I think um, Stroud and Richardson have both gone in and elevated their teams mm. which I think is a really key indicator of what they're going to be like moving or like Patrick Mahomes went in and did that and Prescott that Prescott went in and did that even though he's mid to below average um, as of the Cowboys uh. but, <laughs> but yeah no it's um, it's, it's going to be a really exciting I'm glad they're both in the AFC put it that way <laughs> I, I wish they weren't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think Richardson, I know he's been injured a lot, but I think he looks an absolute dog. And I mean, as a Gators fan, I'm really hoping he does well, but um, yeah, not at the cost of my own team. But um, in terms of other results, in terms of the other 6pm slate, I mean, the Detroit Lions are 4-1, which that's crazy. They beat the Panthers 42-24. to um, The New Orleans Saints destroyed the Patriots 34 points to 30. And a late... Um, Late fumble from Lamar Jackson meant that Pittsburgh Steelers won by 17 points to 10 in that game. Um, the other games to talk about, late games, uh, the Eagles beat the Rams 23 to 14. The, the Bengals got back to winning ways with a 34 to 20 win over the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and the Chiefs beat the Vikings despite an injury scare to Patrick Mahomes, sorry, Travis Kelsey, at 27 points to 20. And Sunday Night Football saw the Dallas Cowboys destroyed by the 49ers, who are, for me now, I think the best team of football, I think, by some distance. 42 points to 10. Um, they've McCaffrey set a record, 14 touch, uh, consecutive games with a touchdown, and they've um, once again scored more than 30 points, which is, they've done every game this year so far. There was one game to come tonight, um, so 1.15am Tuesday Tuesday morning for us Brits, and in America that is, um, I believe it's 8.15am Eastern and 5.15pm Pacific, but the two games left to focus on, um, and the main reason why I brought Tom on this week was the Dolphins-Giants, which involves, of course, both our teams. Uh, as the Dolphins convincingly, mostly, beat the Giants uh, 34, the 31 points to 16. Um, now, Tom, your thoughts on the game as your team is now 1-4. Yeah, um, where do you where do you start, to be honest? I mean, it's very obvious that last year was now... It's very obvious now that last year was a fluke. Um, the offensive line is shocking. Um, Daniel Jones' quarterback, quarterback play, he's regressed back to what he was when he was rookie, second-year quarterback. Um, Darren Waller played better, but he's gone missing ever since he signed for New York. Um 
I, I don't even think putting Barkley into the mix will make a difference, to be honest. I feel really sorry for Dable because um, he's obviously a fantastic coach. And I really hope that the Mara family give him time to fix this, whatever it is. But I think, um, I, yeah, the season's written off now, I'd say. Um, the division's too strong. We scored three points at home in two games or something rubbish. Like I, I, Unless we scored more against Seattle, I turned it off after <laughs> after a little while. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's just back, back to back to the same old, really. Um, my, Miami have looked looked very good this season anyway. They're very high scoring. Like you put 70 past, <laughs> past Denver, who are also shocking, but no one put 70 past anyone. So, um, yeah, no, it's just the, even the defence are looking like awful. And I think that was our one really strong point last year. They just can't seem to get anything going. Like, oh, yeah, it's, I have nothing positive to say, <laughs> really. Um, which is a shame because I came in with the predictions and stuff this year, hoping to build on what we made, what we made happen last year. And yeah, no, it's just Giants, New York football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know the Bills. I mentioned you got Bills next week. That's probably going to be a one or five start. I mean, it's oh yeah, no, I'm not watching that. <laughs> I'm not going to. Do I can't believe you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's it's tough because as you say, last year you did so well. You got themselves, you beat the Vikings, got in the divisional rounds, you know. And I think that there's a lot of players. That there's you really see it was quarterback because rarely quarterbacks have this issue. But a lot of people who have a contract year, they raise their game, and then when that contract's given, they've got that second deal down the other way, and it's they sometimes never recover. And you know, he became you know became the first quarterback in the NFL history to. Sign a new contract with the same team who had not excised their fifth year options. We did so well last year, and I was really behind him doing to do well. And I, um, I was really hoping he would do something. But yeah, it's not been good. And I think that I think Saquon may have made it maybe two and three start at best. Me, I don't think it would have been maybe one or four if he had Saquon playing at the start. But certainly don't think that you know with that offensive line, I don't think he's quite get much luck anywhere. I think it'd be very much a a poor output, whatever, and I, I think that it's it's a shame because they uh, it's Dayball's going to be probably affected by this, and I I do worry about his you know his tenure because if you know, it's teams as bad as this now come next year and the year after if it's still bad if the team is still defensive line is still not doing well then then I, I think that you know he could be a victim of that, but you know defensive line for me it's confusing because. You've drafted a lot of alignment in the first, in the first round in the first two rounds of the draft in the last few years. You've you've invested a lot in the draft in your line, and it seems to not not have worked at all. And it's um, you know, Evan Neal. I don't believe has done much to really write home about. You know, you watch him more than I do, but I've done never seen anything of Evan Neal positive. You know, recently, and he's especially this season. Um, it's just I, Daniel Jones. Has been to use his legs, but how can you use his legs when you've got no one to, to block for you and no one to protect you that way? Yeah, and I, I mean, what well, Neil's resorted to calling out the fans now as well, isn't he? Which is always a yeah. great idea in New York. Um, he's, um, yeah, he, he just hasn't lived up to it. I mean, he's a first round pick. I mean, we really miss Thomas as well. Andrew Thomas is the only O lineman. I think we've drafted in the last 10 years or so who actually looks like he can do something. Um, been really disappointed with um Hyatt as well at wide receiver. He just hasn't been. He's one of those with quite a lot of hype 
when we drafted him and now to come in and just do absolutely nothing it's um really just dis- really disappointing to see but um yeah i think we're, we're just always going to be one of those teams um like especially wink martindale as well was massively regressed as a defensive play caller as well i mean he's definitely he never he doesn't seem like he's got a grasp of what's going on uh, the play call is always wrong and even if it isn't the execution poor so um I don't. I have a feeling that Dable will be one of those that sticks around because I think he's shown something more than McAdoo and Sherma did, and all the, like he's shown a little bit more fight and a little bit more of what we're looking for. But um, it's just it's going to take time to build that team. I think I hope they do what the Bengals did and give them time, and hope maybe if we're poor enough this year we can get one of the top two quarterbacks that because we're going that way. So. Um, We'll see. We've just got to see how it turns out. But I think if we end up in three weeks' time, if we've lost three more games, I think the tank has got to be well and truly on. Like, despite the talent we've got, I think it's just got to be <laughs> cut your losses and start again. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not going to get... I mean, the schedule's actually... It's not. You've got the, you know, the Jets, who know they've got a good defence, but it's still Zach Wilson. The Commanders have been a bit hit and miss. The Raiders, you've got the Commanders twice, actually. The Patriots haven't been too convincing. Saints and Packers have been very hit and miss. The Rams, Eagles, Fellows might lose those games against them. But I think the schedule didn't seem too bad. But at the same time, you know, lose the Bills next week, that's probably one. And, and you even look at the, the win you did get, I mean, I was at that game. I mean, that should have been a loss. Any other team would have put you away. I mean, that first half, 80 total yards, only 25 yards rushing. I mean, you go for terrible and... If a team wasn't the Cardinals, if it was, you know, most teams in the league, even the Broncos, I think, would have put you away, um, you know, and they've been awful. So you really should be 0-5 in, in most years. And, you know, you probably go 1-6 and against the Bills. The Commanders, you know, they have had some good moments. They had the Broncos game and the and the um, Cardinals game. So you could, you could see them winning that, um, you know. I think, you know, but I, I, I think the Jets could beat you just purely on defence and run game. I think the Raiders, Garoppolo, I don't think as bad as Avatar, but I don't, I don't think he's great. But I think he could do something, with, especially with Devontae Adams. You know, the Cowboys have still got a great team and a great defence. Patriots, you know, have their moments. And they put, they gave us probably our one of our hardest games this season um, in week two. So, yeah, it, it could get even worse. Uh, but I still think you guys will still finish with maybe the, the sixth, seventh worst records. I don't think it'd be maybe bad enough to get number one overall pick, but you never know. You never know. It could go really south. Um, but on the flip side, of course, I have to mention our performance. I will mention it in a lot more detail in Fins Nation this week in the Fins Nation UK podcast. Do check it out if you are a Dolphins fan. But I thought, again, it was back, back to what we know. I think Tua wasn't at his best. So two interceptions. One of them was, I think, might be the worst throw of his career. It was awful, literally... No one, it was not one of those ones where someone gets a little nick to the ball and, you know, you know, it's 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 taking a little hit deflection and it's come to a player. Literally, no one was even near him and he ended through it massively, trying to find Waddle. Uh, but apart from that, you know, I thought our defence was really good. Andrew Van Ginkle, you know, I thought was brilliant in that game. And obviously he was part of the, 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 the I think it was two or three of them that got Daniel Jones down, which also ended his, his day. But I got to really, my main thing, I got to praise Devon A-Chain. Uh, Tyreek Hill, we all know what he's about. You know, he got that amazing touchdown and the speed. He again, once again, the speed is just said to see just how effective it is. But HN, another touchdown is 
third straight game with a touchdown. Um, and I think it's, you know, really positive times on that because we've, we've, we've basically we struggled for a run game for so many years. Since JHI left, our run game has been pretty much non-existent. Now we've got two really good running backs and for me, probably right now, maybe the second or third best running back of the entire draft class this year. He's been so good. And, you know, looking even further, he's got the most rushing yards this year, two's got the most passing yards, and Hill's got the most receiving yards. Or maybe a chain second or something. But, um, you know, this it's been such 4-1. I've never seen us go 4-1 before in my life. It's been an amazing start to the year. You know, we've got the Panthers next week, so that should be 5-1 before we then face Philly and Kansas City. So um, that'll probably change. But, yeah, I've got I've got to be really happy with the start we've made and you know A chain. I mean, the speed of these guys. I mean, A chain's over twenty miles an hour on average this season. Same with Hill and Waddle and all the all the rest. It's just been, you know, all the entire suffering. It looks like finally the year where I can actually see us actually win a division. I think the Bills probably still win it, but I think we'll be in contention again as long as two is healthy. So for me. I can't be more positive. I think, you know, maybe I'd like to have seen two and not throw this pick because that's been one of his strengths this year up until this game. Uh, but yeah, certainly can't really fault that performance. Um, finally, we've got about two minutes left of recording, but quickly want to focus on our last game we haven't mentioned yet, um, which is going to be the Jets against the Broncos. I mean, it was the Sean Payton, Daniel Hackett, um, rivalry grudge match you could say and obviously the Jets came out with the win 31 points in 21 in the Wilson Bowl I've never, I don't think I've seen ever before both quarterbacks apart from the Manning brothers playing each other I've only seen the game where both starting quarterbacks have the same surname but you know it was just you know even though the Jets I don't like him seeing win I was really happy to see Nathaniel Hackett have that you know have that last word over Peyton because I think what Peyton did was breaking the coach's, call, uh, coach's code. And I thought it was damn, uh, outright pretty much a thing you shouldn't be saying. I thought it was pretty disgraceful. So I was happy for Hackett and no one else that Jets team for getting the win. Yeah, no, so was I. I mean, um, Peyton did was completely out of order. And <laughs> as Jamie Vardy says, chat shit, get banged. So, <laughs> <laughs> I said that in the most posh way possible. Well, like, if you don't, if you, like, if you can't back it up, then don't chat shit about other coaches. <laughs> <laughs> They're always going to come, especially if they've got a better team than you and you know you're playing them. <laughs> so, Crazy. Yeah, no, insane. But um, I'm glad I'm glad he got, I'm glad he, that, that they're not doing well, really, because I think he's come across as quite an unlikable guy in the past like, three or four months or so. I'd agree. Yeah. And you mentioned about being the worst coaching job. Hackett never gave up 70 points. And, and, mm. Broncos are now the most penalised team in the league. So I think Peyton, I think is going to probably regret coming out of retirement right now. It's not going his way. And I don't really see where it's going to improve. Um, Wilson's looked better, the one positive. But apart from that, it's been pretty shambolic. But that is where we'll, we'll end episode for today. Um, so first of all, thank you, Tom, for coming on, first of all. No worries. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem at all. Um, and yeah, we look forward to bringing you our next episode. And we will see you guys 